0: real quick because it kind of uh helps us understand why paul goes in this direction he says now if christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead paul and paul's going to talk about that there were some in the church that were saying there's no resurrection of the dead that's a major bummer guys Jesus said, because I live, so you too will live. That is part of the good news, isn't it? Sins forgiven, forgotten, gone forever. A fresh start in life. The Lord working in and through us and molding and shaping and changing us, fixing us. And then in the final assessment, we're going to be in heaven with him. Again, Jesus said, because I live, so you too shall live. But there's a bunch of people saying there's no resurrection. And you know what happens with that? You know, what, you know what it promotes? Loose living. Living any way you want to. Um, it, it leads to also, it, it comes from a pagan influence or a worldly influence that has crept in. Some false teaching. No accountability as well with, uh, with no resurrection. You're living in both worlds. Man, I can live in the world and in the church and kind of straddle the fence. And No, listen, there is a resurrection. We will see our Lord face to face and I believe it's going to happen soon. I I think he's coming any moment, by the way. The rapture is going to happen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Well, Paul is calling witnesses to the stand here to testify to the fact that Jesus is risen and that we, too, will have a resurrection and we, too, will live. Well, look at what he says. He begins with the gospel. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel... Which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And so, moreover, Paul changes gears here. And and notice he says, brethren, we're a family. He calls them family. He doesn't disown them. Even though they're talking trash about him, by the way, we'll learn later. He doesn't disown them as his family. He calls them brethren. And he reminds them, I'm proclaiming to you the gospel again. What does gospel mean? Good news. A lot of good, is there a lot of good news out there today? You guys, anybody watching the news here? Not a lot of good news, is there? Listen, this is the greatest news of all time. And Paul's going to share the good news once again with this church. He says, "I came. I'm declaring it to you. I'm proclaiming it. I'm heralding it to you again." Remember when I came? He reminds him. He takes him on a trip down memory lane. I came and proclaimed the good news to you. You received it. It means to aggressively you grab hold of it in which you also stand, hey, you're continuing in it, you're enduring, you're persevering, you're, you're, in other words, you're dug in, experiencing His power, experiencing the work of His Spirit. And notice in verse 2, because of the good news, you are saved, you are rescued. Isn't that good news? We've been saved, we've been rescued. The word saved means delivered out of danger and into safety. Out of danger and into safety. That's what we've experienced, haven't we? We've been set free. We've been saved from the penalty of sin, which is hell and death. We've been set free from the power of sin as well with the Holy Spirit coming and taking up residence within us. One day we'll be set free from the presence of sin altogether. We have been set free, you guys, and set free unto a relationship with the Lord. To walk with Him. To, to live for Him, to serve Him, and to one day be with Him for all eternity when we see Him face to face. Listen, the message must be preached. Aren't you glad someone preached the message to you? Shared the gospel with you. And notice the message must also be received. Because there's some people that come to church and they say, you know, I sat in church, I heard the message, I must be good to go. Guess what? That was an amen. That's right, you're not good to go. <laughs> It's not enough that you were present and accounted for. It's not enough that you were exposed to the message. You must receive, believe, accept it for yourself to take ownership. And then there's salvation. And then there's the ability to stand with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul does make a bold conditional statement. He says in verse 2, if you hold fast, you must keep in possession. You must retain the message of the gospel. Paul says that I preached to you, I proclaim to you, unless you believed for nothing. You know what that tells me? It's not just a one-time event. Your relationship, my relationship with the gospel of Jesus Christ is a lifelong commitment to a person. Amen. It's a surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ to walk with Him. This morning, are you trusting in Him? This is a heavy conditional statement. It appears in context, it appears that some had a good beginning, but they were at a point of not having a good end. And and I would say this morning, how you end your faith is just as important as how you began. Well, how can you say that, Pastor? Because three times in the New Testament, Paul Paul writes, the just shall live by by faith. (laughs) The just shall live by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Correct? Isn't that what the book says? The Lord calls us to trust him. And so Paul calls the first witness to the stand of the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He calls the church. He says, Look at the church. Look at the changed lives. Look at the transformed lives. The reality that Jesus is risen, that he is alive. Isn't that a reality in your life too? Has there been a change in your life? There has, hasn't there? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Well, look at God's plan. Verse 3 and 4. The gospel. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That is a simple, concise gospel message right there, you guys. Three components. Sometimes people ask me, is there a place in the Bible where we can find the gospel? And it's right here to share, a simple way to share it, right here, verses three and four. And Paul says, listen, I deliver to you. I personally, it means to personally hand over to you First of all means the most important thing, the main thing, the essential thing. I've handed this over to you. That which I first received from the Lord. That's important that we always give what we receive from the Lord. And the Apostle Paul had received the gospel personally from the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 1 is a cross reference. You can go check it out on your own. Paul didn't invent this gospel. It wasn't Paul's gospel. Jesus unfolded the truth of the gospel to him, and Paul was just a delivery guy, just like you and I are just delivery guys and gals, right? Just all we're doing is sharing what we've received from the Lord, and so the gospel. What's gospel mean again? Good news. What's the good news? Number one, look what it says Jesus Christ died for our sins, Jesus gave his life on the cross. For our sins. Remember the angel said, His name shall be called Jesus. For He shall save His people from their sins. Do you know that we're sinners? Do you know that you are a sinner? I am. You are. You is. (laughs) I am. That's our problem. That's our problem. Is our sin. It separates us from God. And it says in Romans, I love what it says. In Romans 3, I didn't love it when I first heard it. Romans 3, uh, verse 10, verse 9, verse 8, whole chapter. Ready? No. (laughs) 3:10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have all. To, they have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Guess what? Our own goodness, our own efforts, our own works, our church membership cannot save us. The, Paul goes on to say, "We have all sinned and fall short of the glory." of God and so we've all sinned we all deserve God's judgment why is this so important because we need to understand there's some bad news before we can receive the good news or or that we would value the good news for, for it being good news that I need to see my condition apart from Jesus Christ I am I am doomed I am in need of his forgiveness. That is our greatest need, gang, is the forgiveness of sins. And please notice what it said back there in verse verse, uh, 3 of chapter 15. This was according to the scriptures. This was predicted, this was prophesied about, and then it was fulfilled when Jesus came. Where is it predicted, you guys? Where is it prophesied about? In the. Which Testament? And the Thank you. We asked, and it, look. Out of the mouths of babes, right? Right there. That's why we're bringing them in. Bring them on in here. You need to help out all of us. What's amazing just to consider this morning, this was God's plan from eternity past. It didn't just all of a sudden pop out of nowhere. It was, it came, it was planned out in eternity past, But then God spoke about it. He predicted this happening in the Old Testament, how it would roll out, where in the Old Testament. Well, you can go all the way back. First place, I think it's Genesis 3.15, if you're taking notes. Genesis 3.15, you can check it out. Think about all all the predictions. The Messiah, Jesus, would be born in Bethlehem, correct? Was that prophesied about? Look at Micah, yeah. Right, born of a virgin, Isaiah. I mean, you can just go back all these places. He, the Messiah, would be Jewish, of the tribe of tribe of Judah. Thank you, the line of David. Right, the kingly line. He would be poor. We know that. We also know that uh, he would do the miraculous that 173,880 days after the decree given to Nehemiah that he would come in to Jerusalem and present himself to the nation as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He would open the eyes of the blind. He would cleanse the lepers. He would be betrayed for a little bag of loot, right? 30, was it 30 pieces of silver? Crucified. Buried, he would rise again. If we, anybody here on Wednesday night, why are you guys here Wednesday night? Where were the rest of you guys? No, just kidding. <laughs> is there a good reality show on Wednesday night? Wednesday night, we went through Psalm 22. That is one of the most amazing prophecies and predictions. The very words of Jesus are found in that. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Dad, where are you? And you think about what he did for us. He took the punishment on the cross that we deserved for our sins. He who knew no sin became sin for us. In other words, when Jesus hung on the cross, all of my sin, all of my mistakes, all of my failures, all of yours, were placed upon innocent Jesus. He paid the penalty for our sins in his life's blood, the punishment that we deserved for our sins. He absorbed and he died a brutal, horrific death on the cross. And we've talked about this before. You know what happened, what led up to it? Correct? He was beaten, right? Bag put over his face, beaten by the Jewish religious leaders. Pilate had him scourged. You guys remember what happened? Whipped with that cat of nine tails that, that filleted his back. Crown of thorns placed on his head. Spit upon, mocked. And then taken to Calvary, to Golgotha. Body slammed down on the piece of wood. Nails driven into his wrists. And into his feet. When you die on the cross, you die of asphyxiation. By the way, you're trying to pull yourself up to breathe. You're trying to pull. Himself. Think about the seven things he said from the cross as he tried to breathe as he hung there for you and for me. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. As our trash was piled upon him, Dad, where are you? Dad, where are you? For that, there was a disconnect because all of our sin was placed upon Him. And the Father couldn't fellowship with sin. And there's that break in the fellowship so that you and I would never have to say that, Dad, where are you? We could know that no matter where we are, no matter what we're going through, we're never alone. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He endured the cross, despising the shame. And He hung for you and for me. Crucifixion, pierced, wounded for our transgressions. We get the word uh, excruciating from crucifixion, by the way, excruciating pain. And then in his dying breath, it is it is finished, paid in full. That's what it means to us die in Greek. Paid in full, your sin debt, my sin debt. He paid the full and satisfying price for our sins. Why? That we might come into fellowship with God and have a relationship with him. The very reason we were created, to know him and to walk with him. And then what happened, you guys remember what happened afterwards? Remember, remember the, the religious leaders wanted to uh, speed up, wanted to speed up the death of those that were crucified because it was Passover. So Pilate's like, all right, let's expediate this thing, expedite this deal. And they went, the the two criminals, their legs got broke, right? Because you couldn't pull yourself up any longer. Once once your legs are broken, you're done. You're dying of, of, of asphyxiation. But they went to Jesus, and they found that he had already given up the ghost, right? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And what did they do? What did the Roman soldier do? Stuck his side, right? Into his side, and out came blood and water, right? You know what that means, by the way? He was really dead. Because there's some people that say, oh, no, you know what? It it was just, um, he, he just passed out. Or, you know, he was hurt a little bit, but then when they, he revived a little bit later. Or some people say, you know, it was symbolic, or he was faking it. Listen, he was dead. He died for our sins. And then notice the next verse. Verse 4, he was buried. Who came to take Jesus down from the cross and wrap him up and put him in the tomb? Who was it? Nicodemus. Nicodemus Nicodemus, and Joseph of Arimathea, right? Had the the tomb already for him. The tomb of the rich man, right? That was him already for Jesus. Isaiah 53, it says that, doesn't it? Buried. That's a component of the gospel. Jesus was put in the tomb, wrapped up by Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea with their aloes and spices. The spice girls looking on. You know, they're going to come the next morning, right, to, to fix the job that the guys messed up. Stone rolled, put into place, covering the opening of the tomb. A seal put on it. Who else was there? Soldiers or an armed guard was put there too. You guys remember the story, don't you? But what happened on the third day? Look, like it says, he rose again. He came alive on the third day, according to the scriptures, predicted and fulfilled by the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, that's something to be celebrated, isn't it? Why do we gather on, why do we gather on Sundays? That's when Jesus rose from the dead should be a time of celebration, shouldn't it? He's alive. He is alive. It's the day Jesus rose again. Death couldn't hold him down. He conquered the grave. The Father accepted the payment that Jesus made for our sins by resurrecting Jesus from the dead. The Father was well pleased. We, listen, this morning we serve a living Savior. We worship a living God not a statue not a thing we worship and serve the true and the living god so many scriptures i mean there's even pictures right jonah jesus said as jonah it was 3 days in the belly of the great fish right 3 days and 3 nights so the son of man will be in the earth buried but come back to life like jonah picture of abraham and isaac going up to mount moriah to golgotha that same area when abraham was to offer up his son isaac a picture of Jesus giving His life, a Father giving His Son for us. Listen, it's good news. It's good news, isn't it? Because Jesus said, I live, you too will live. Jesus also said, check this out, I think this is a great reminder this morning, the words of our Lord and Savior. You guys remember this. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's a question Jesus asked to Martha. Do you believe that? Yeah. That means you too, you and I will live. And it's that, listen, Jesus said, Jesus predicted it too, didn't he? He said, watch me. I will die, and on the third day I will rise again. And if you trust me, you will live also. It can happen to you too. Because that's the one thing, Oh, well, it's the... There's two things we face, taxes and death, right? That are sure. Listen, every one of us here, you will die. I will die. Statistics haven't changed. Ten out of ten people will die. We have the answer for death. Jesus tasted death for us and he beat it. He conquered it. And you can beat it too if you are trusting in Jesus Christ. Listen, the gospel is a life-changing message. It is a message of hope. It is a message of help. Listen, it is the message that the world needs right now more than ever. It's the gospel that changes our lives. Listen, it's not legislation that's going to change men's lives. It's not a change of candidates. It's not a cha- Listen, it's a change of our hearts that happens by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to be faithful, to deliver. Because our kingdom, listen, our home is heaven. We're ambassadors of heaven, aren't we? Heaven is our home. We're just passing through. We're pilgrims passing through. That's where our citizenship is, first and foremost. And so it's the gospel that matters. Well, were there any eyewitnesses to the resurrection? Look what it says. Paul's going to call some some to testify, right? Here he goes, check it out. It says he was buried, rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the 12. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. And so Paul lists the post-resurrection appearances, eyewitnesses to the fact that Jesus is risen. And notice over and over, it keeps saying, he was seen, he was seen, he was seen. Isn't that what it says? Like four or five times in those verses, he was seen. Seen first, Paul says, by who? Who saw him? C- who's Cephas? It's Aramaic for Peter. Do you remember? You remember the last, do you remember that Peter had a little difficult part in his walk with the Lord? Do you guys remember what happened? Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. But your faith will not fail. When you've returned to me, go and strengthen your brethren. And Jesus said, Listen, you're get, you all are going to bail out this night. You're going to be dispersed. The shepherd will get struck, and the sheep are going to. And what did Peter say? I'm rocky. I lose paraphrase. Not me. These bozos, these, you know, JV Christians, can't, can't we do that? No, amen. is a couple head I see a couple head nods. You're with me. We can get arrogant cocky. Right? Peter did get cocky because Jesus said what? The cock's going to crow. Before the cock crows, before the rooster crows, you will deny me 3 times. Gave him a heads up. Gave him a heads up. And you remember what happened after the garden of Gethsemane. Right? Jesus gets led to the high priest's palace. John's got like a backstage pass, right? Somehow he's kind of connected. But Peter's out in the courtyard. You guys remember that story? Part of the, part of the story, you guys remember that? And Peter's there warming himself by the fire. And people start looking at him saying, Dude, you're, weren't you with him? Weren't you with Jesus? What did he say? Who? Jesus, who's Jesus? Second person, hey, you're a Galilean. Listen, your accent, I, I, you were with him. Who, me? No, I don't know the guy. And then the little servant girl, right? This man, he was one of them. And, it, and you know what happened? He starts cursing. Bleep, 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 bleep. It had to get bleeped out. Bleep, bleep, bleep. No way. bleep, 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 bleep. Isn't it interesting? I think it's where we get sailor mouth, possibly. <laughs> or fisherman mouth. And then all of a sudden, what does it say? Uh, uh, uh. And what's so, what's so traumatic is that when that happened, Jesus turned and looked right at Peter. I mean... And he wept bitterly. I don't think the look was like, you bozo, you know. I think it was, Peter, I love you. I told you, and I told you how to get back on track. But imagine where he was. I mean, if anybody, anybody here ever blown it, serving the Lord, man. And the Lord is so gracious, isn't he? Jesus rises from the dead. Remember the message to the girls? Go and tell Peter and the rest of the guys, Peter, Peter, heaven's looking for you. The Lord's looking for you. And some point, resurrection morning, Jesus has a one-on-one with Peter. I, I think that's so beautiful. Because doesn't the Lord do that in our lives? meets with us in a special way after we've blown it. When we're broken. Jesus is praying for you, just like he prayed for Peter. Simon, I've prayed for you. He ever lives to make intercession for you and me. Did you know that? Right now he's praying for you. He's praying for me. Then he saw the twelve. Next to the twelve. Oh, wait a minute. What about you know, Judas hung himself, committed suicide? Why do they call him the 12? I think it's a generic name because he he's not going to list out all of them, 11 of them. And I think it's just a generic name, the 12. That's what they were called, the 12. Uh, maybe Matthias, too. Remember, he was the one that, that, that came Acts chapter 1. He was the one that replaced Judas. After that, verse 6, Jesus was seen by, notice this, at one time by over 500 people. I think that happened in Matthew 28. There was this big gathering. Remember, um, the Lord said, I'm going before you to Galilee, meet me there. And there was some, they got sidetracked for a little bit. But think about that 500 people saw the risen Lord. And notice what Paul says most of them were alive when Paul was writing. This is uh, 30 years after. Most of them were still alive. So you could say, hey, tell me about when Jesus rose again from the dead. When you saw him, what was it like? And they could tell you. There was eyewitnesses to the fact, not hallucinations, not 500 people, you know, hallucinating. 500 people saw the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Some of them fell asleep. What does that mean? They were taking a nap? No, that's a euphemism for death. Right? They've gone home to be with the Lord. They're not some soul sleep nonsense. To be absent from the body is to be present with the, with the Lord. After that, verse 7. Check it out. What's it say? Verse 7. After that, Jesus was seen by who? Who? James. James. Who was James? Half-brother. Jesus' half-brother. Thank you. Same mom, different dad. Some of you will get that later. Same mom, different dad. I mean, think about, think about r- growing up in that home. Can't you be more like your older brother? What's the matter with you kids? <laughs> Sorry. But remember, it tells us in John chapter 7, Jesus' brothers were unbelieving. And here's the thing about unbelief. Let me encourage you. Let me challenge you. Let me warn us. Is that unbelief is a dangerous leaven whether in your life or in your home or in a ministry. Why? Because their unbelief affected their mom. How do we know that? Because later in the Gospels, what would happen? Mary and the brothers came, and they're looking for Jesus. Everybody's saying, he's out of his mind, and they're knocking on the door. Hey, Jesus, your mom and your brothers are here. It's like, who's my mom and my brothers? Who are they? You. You who hear the word of God and do it are my family. They were looking to reel him in. He's out of his mind. He's nuts. He's crazy. But isn't this great, what happened? So Jesus has a private one-on-one with James. And remember what happened with James? He commits fully and becomes a leader in the church in Jerusalem. He's the one that wrote the letter of James, too, by the way, in our Bibles. That's the same James we're talking about here. Pretty cool, isn't it? Things things changed after Jesus rose. From the dead, and then by all the apostles. So uh, Romans sixteen seven talks about there were lot, There's lots of different apostles sent out ones. Um, in any event, this is not some fanciful story. This is reality, validated by witnesses, not hallucinations. They spent time with Jesus after he rose again from the dead, and Paul says. Me too. I got to see the resurrected, risen Jesus. Look at the next verse. Then, last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle. Why? Because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. So Paul also was an eyewitness that Jesus is risen. And he gives his personal testimony. He says, finally, resurrected Jesus. I saw him. You guys remember when that was? Acts chapter 9. What was he doing? Remember what Paul was doing? He was hunting down Christians to kill them, to have them imprisoned. And, And remember, right before that, Right before that, he saw Stephen get martyred. He heard Stephen preach that amazing sermon, if you will, give that amazing Bible study. They take Stephen out, and they all, all the Sanhedrin, they put their, their cloaks at the feet of Saul. And they begin to stone Stephen. And, and no doubt... It was Saul at the time before he changed his name to Paul. He gave his consent. Speaking about he was probably the leader of the crew. Giving his consent to the death of Stephen. And remember what Stephen did as he was being martyred? Father, don't hold this against them. Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. I wonder where he learned that from. God help us to be more like that. And then he looked up and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. We always see him sitting, standing ready to welcome him home. That, that's our future too, by the way, because Jesus has risen. Acts chapter 9. Paul is hunting down Christians. And what happens? Jesus breaks into his life. Breaks him. He surrenders. So beautiful. Paul was a religious monster. And the risen Jesus Christ radically transformed him. A man so full of hate transformed him into a man so full of love. You know the Lord still does that today. (laughs) <laughs> exhibit Z some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about He's, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever the gospel doesn't change the gospel of Jesus Christ saves and transforms and changes lives we're just called to simply deliver it and Paul's like I was born I, I was by one born out of due time. It's interesting that word means miscarriage or abortion. It's heavy. He, maybe because he didn't go through the gestation period like the other disciples. But why does Paul view himself this way? Verse 9. Because he, pers- he said, I persecuted the church. I hunted down Christians and hurt them. And Paul had to live with this in his memory. I mean, can you imagine running into family members? I'm sure he did. Running into family members of of lives that he had taken. People he persecuted. And God did a glorious work in the Apostle Paul. But that's the same work he wants to do in every single person's life. God wants to do that. transform and change us. Paul's like, I don't deserve to be put in any kind of position to be used by God, but he says, verse 10, this is like one of my life verses. I've got it highlighted here, underlined here. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Because of God's grace, His kindness, His favor. I'm good with what God has made me to be. Are you good with what God's made you to be? Listen, God's grace frees us from being phonies. Did you know that? Because we spend our lives trying to be something we're not, act like something we're not, put on a good show, put on a good front, act like something that we think we are supposed to be, present ourselves in a certain light to look like something. Listen, God's grace frees us, gang. What we're afraid of is being found out for who we really are and how much of a mess we are. And you know what? God's grace frees us up. That's the amazing thing about the gospel. By the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm good with that. It's so freeing. The world tries to pressure you and conform you to its mold. Paul says, this is who God has made me. Who he's changing me, turning me into. And I'm good with that. I'm down. Are you good with that? Are you okay with that? Are you, can you stop putting up a front and say, you know what? I am what I am by the grace of God. I love this. It says his kindness and favor in my direction was not empty or worthless, not in vain. God did this work in me and it wasn't wasted. He says, I labored more abundantly than, than who? All the rest of the apostles. In other words, what God did in me was not wasted. What he's doing in me, I labored, I worked. Is Paul saying the rest of the apostles were a bunch of lazy bums? Maybe. Some of them may have been. You know what? I was kind of meditating on that. There may have been some lazy bum apostles. Because there are lazy bum leaders in the church. Did you know that? That sometimes need a kick in the spiritual seat. Paul's like, you know what? God didn't waste his grace on me. I didn't deserve it, but I took I took what I've been given, and I maxed it out. I love that about Paul. But then he says, it's the glorious discovery of the grace of God, isn't it? Yet not me, it wasn't really me, but the grace of God with me. <laughs> because God's grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. There's a, yeah, I'm laboring, but you know what? The Lord's supplying. He's supplying what I need, the grace that I need to do what he's called me to do. You know, God's faithful. Did you know that? Listen, the grace of God should not produce spiritual laziness in our lives. It shouldn't produce spiritual slugs, so to speak, for lack of a better word. It is, God's grace is an amazing motivator. It compels us. compels us. We think about all that He's done to rescue us, to save us, His marvelous plan and plans that He has for us, what He's done in our lives, what He's doing, what He's yet to do, that we would spend and be spent for Him. To to let it all hang out for him. To give him our all. Paul's like, you did this in my life, and now I want to live for you. I want my energy, my effort, all that I am to be used for you. For the furtherance of your kingdom and for your glory. That's an expression of worship, by the way. Lord, you're worth it. That is worship. That's saying, Lord, you're worth it. To live for, to labor abundantly for you. It shouldn't produce spiritual laziness. In light of that, it doesn't really matter me or the apostles. He says... We continually preach. That's the tense. We continually preach and you believe. That's what we that's what we habitually do is preach the gospel, Paul says. Isn't that beautiful? Something when's the last time you share the gospel with someone, the good news? Some of us are going through have the maybe the spiritual blues. Perpetual bummer. You know what happens when we start to share the good news with others? We're reminded of the good news ourselves. Whether that person receives or says, Get out of my face, you bozo. It does something in our hearts. We're reminded of the good news and what Jesus has done for us. Jesus died for me. He paid for all my failures. Everything I've ever messed up. Listen, the good news is, listen, it is the solution to untangle the mess that you've made, the mess that I've made, the mess we've made in other people's lives. Listen, the gospel's the solution. It's what fixes me. It's what fixes you. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everyone around us. And Jesus rose again. Listen, there's hope. That means there's hope for our failures and there's hope as we die and pass through the veil into eternity because of what Jesus did for us. We have great hope, gang. In a world with no hope, we have hope. Our future is glorious because of Jesus. Amen. 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 Lord, thank you so much. You're so good, Lord Jesus. I pray my precious brothers and sisters would be encouraged this morning, built up, challenged, some comforted, Lord. that we would take the things you're teaching us, we would walk in them, we'd grow in them, Lord. That our lives would bring you glory. Thank you for your marvelous work within each and one of our hearts and lives. Thank you for the good news. May we not hold it back. Grant us, Lord, the boldness to share, to love, to serve. Thank you for the great things you've done, the great things you're doing, the great things you've yet to do. We honor you and bless you, Jesus, this morning. As we are still in an attitude of prayer this morning, as we finish our...